Welcome home. You're listening to the 180 Church Podcast with Dr. Sammy and friends. Dr. Sammy D. Kim is a Harvard-trained ethicist and co-founder of 180 Church NYC. He is a Yale Hastings Scholar at the Yale Interdisciplinary Center for Bioethics and the Hastings Center, where he explores the inequities surrounding health, immigration, and social policies, along with professional burnout. He is also a regular contributor to Christianity Today. For more information, please visit his website at samdkim.com. All right, you could all be seated. Welcome for all joining us online and in person at Central Park today. just want to give you a moment of silence and solitude as we practice the rule of life to allow God, and even if you're not a Christian and you're seeking or investigating faith, God has a way, because he's God, to speaking to us in a way that we understand You know, faith is not a leap, but a series of staggers from one safe place to another. So he'll lead you step by step. Will you bow your heads with me? We're going to just exhale, exhale, all the automatic thoughts, ruminating thoughts, harassing thoughts that's weighing you down in your life. And just let God take it from you, for he's in control. And inhale the presence of God. The Bible says that to cast your cares upon the Lord, for he cares for you. And he promises that when you lift up a prayer, lift up a thought, that he will take those thoughts and give you peace. All God's people pray. Amen. So this was about um, five, six years ago. We had a retreat in Ocean's Grove. How many people remember Ocean's Grove? It's a beach uh, in New Jersey, and they call it God's Square Mile because that square mile was actually 100 years ago was sold to this Christian um, nonprofit for a dollar. So there's this beach town that's beautiful right near Asbury Park that it's called God Square Mile. It's this Christian sort of retreat beach center. And my family and I, we, we really love to go there during the summers, and we go there often. And one summer, uh, we went as a Christian family. Tell someone next to you, as a Christian family. You know, dandy and, you know, we're, we're, we wanted to go be with our Christian brethren we didn't want to go to Jersey Shore, no judgment, but Ocean's Grove, God Square Mile. And so we go there, we're having a blast, uh, we go boarding and going into the waters, are having a blast with the family, and then we're like, you know, we're so hungry, let's go get some food at the food court, which they had this beautiful food court, we had lobster rolls, all kinds, and I, that day I felt like a pizza. So we go to this pizzeria, I order my pizza, and then... I put my phone on the counter as I'm ordering and waiting for the food. And the owner of the pizzeria comes and he's livid and says to me, yo. I'm like, this is God Square Mile, right? (laughs) He goes, yo, what are you doing? Are you stupid? I'm like, no, actually, I'm quite smart. I'm thinking this. He's like, 
that is a counter. We serve food on it. And of course, you know me, fight and flight mode, I fight. I'm a New Yorker. I grew up here, yo. I have gangster-like proclivities, like I always say. And I just like, I'm, and I'm like, my wife is, I hear my wife's voice. You're a pastor. You might get canceled. You should calm down. And she's always afraid of that, especially with my book coming out. So now she just, you know, doesn't take me nowhere. <laughs> but I was like, what are you talking about? And I'm just, and now I'm in, I'm livid too. And I'm like, I didn't know. I'm sorry. He goes, you know what? I don't want my pizza. Give me my money back. And this guy puts my cash on the counter. And then I went nuts. I said, that's it. You said my phone can't be on it because you serve. You put money on it. That's way, way. I mean, this is not in time of COVID, right? And I'm livid now and going berserk. And my son... Nathan saw what's happening, came to the fight, and said, yo, who you think you are? That's my father, bro. That's my father. Who? And I can't say what the things he said, because he said a lot of things that a, a Christian in God's square mile, it's forbidden to say. But he said them. But this is not surprising. We're pretty real, you know, in our house kids would be kids and I always get into these kind of things but recently my my youngest son who heard the story third hand actually heard about that incident and then actually about two three years ago that whole store that all burned down to the ground by a massive fire and I was so surprised because my youngest said, thank God. And I hope that pizza guy, he's begging on the street, unemployed. And then Nathan, who grew up a little bit, said, Josh, that's messed up, bro. And it was a, a, a quiet rage. Tell someone next to you, a quiet rage. Any couples here know about that quiet rage? Not not the tenacious rage. The tenacious rage is easily mendable, you know? It's it's out in the open. But it was like a matter of fact. My son, who's into Stephen King, just with a quiet rage, like a matter of fact, like this is should happen. You mess with my father, your store should burn down, and you should be homeless, begging on the street. You deserve that. There are things that I used to believe, like when you become a Christian, all your problems mostly resolve. And other lies I used to believe in. I was about 30, I don't know, 35. Nathan was about 9, 10. And let me tell you, just because you become a Christian doesn't resolve some of the confounding problems in our character. And you're like, well, shouldn't you know the love of God? You say you love Jesus and you know the love of Jesus. Shouldn't that just come out and flow out of you? How many people have the love of Jesus flowing out of them all the time? <laughs> so 
The first lesson we learn from this text is that John and the disciples in verse 46 to 49, they argue, they're arguing. These are the apostles we name our children after. They're arguing about who the greatest among them are. The goat conversation, like on ESPN. Jordan's the goat. Well, that's obviously true. LeBron's like top 10. Right, Danny? But becoming a Christian doesn't miraculously, miraculously resolve one's emotional immaturity. That's something you have to grow out of. Because look at, look at this. So they were arguing, verse 49, Master said, John, we saw someone driving out demons in your name, and we tried to stop him because he's not one of us. I'm the boss. Jesus says, uh, do not stop him, Jesus said. For whoever's not against you is for you. John saw this poor person demon-possessed and stopped the person casting this demon out just because that guy wasn't under him. How many people here know what's like when you have to be right? And if people don't agree with you, it's the highway. Tell someone next to you, go to the highway. Well, clearly because I'm smart, right? This is immaturity. In our church, we're having a baby boom. And we're having tons of kids. And the fathers are talking to me about, you know, playground rules, the terrible twos. And some of our children are timid. They're the flight. But other children are like Godzilla. They're the ones going into the playground and bullying kids. Socialization is something that you have to learn how to get along with others, playing by the rules. It's not something that can change because of an ideology or even a model. It's something that has to, you have to grow out of it. It's something that has to be taught. And that's what Jesus is doing here. And something comforting about this immature part about the disciples is that they were not disingenuous about their relationship with God. A lot of people who come to church feel like they need to fit into a mold. I need to pretend and act like the tribalism or the principles and the values that they have, and I have to try to pretend to live them out. Here, John and the disciples are themselves raw, immature, and they weren't ashamed to show Jesus. Do we live community that way? Now, that can be disappointing in one hand because, like, I thought you were better than that. Tell someone, I thought you were better than that. I thought you were better than that. No. Isn't this the reason, expectations, why people get hurt by the church? I came to the church. In one hand, you can find the greatest healing by the gospel, by Jesus, who was our ultimate model. Then you meet his followers like, wow, wow. And that's why churches hurt, could wound, have the deepest wound because of immaturity. And immaturity has to be addressed. And Jesus shows you, without editing anything, that we're all humans. 
And like the fathers have to teach their children. It's the girls, by the way. I'm not going to name who. Tilly and Belle. They're like Godzilla in the playground. Well, no, you can't take that. You can't steal that sandwich. No. Why? I want it. It looks good. See, part of being human is growing up. It doesn't change when you become a Christian. Just like the disciples here are unveiling and unediting who they are, raw ambition and immaturity. And that's the question I want to ask for you. Are you immature in certain areas in your life? Raise your hand if you're immature in some some areas. You got to work on some areas in your life. Okay, come on. The gospel is not going to solve that problem. That's work. We have to grow out of it, and we have to call each other on it. And we can't be enabling of that behavior either. Just because you're the church doesn't mean you're not going to have these problems. How to relate to one another, how to hurt one another, how to forgive one another. And I, I pray that you see that. But that's the first thing we see here, that becoming a Christian doesn't miraculously resolve One's immaturity, right? That's something that you have to grow out of. Second, another thing we see here is becoming a Christian doesn't necessarily or miraculously resolve one's pride or ego. Like, this is like the most ludicrous. I can't even believe John included this in his gospel because it's embarrassing. Now, let's read this. Verse 51. As the time approach... For him to be taken. So after they are arguing about who the greatest should be, this mic is messing up. Um, he sent messengers ahead who went into a Sumerian village to get things ready for him. But the people there did not welcome him because he was heading for Jerusalem. When the disciples James and John saw this, they asked, Lord, do you want us to call fire down from heaven to destroy them? Okay, so John and James because they got rejected, wanted to nuke the city. And you're like, man, that's ludicrous. How many people here think about nuking people all the time? (laughs) Uh, Me? That's why I shouldn't be president. (laughs) You're a little Putin. John says to Jesus, should we call fire down from heaven? Like, he knew Jesus was capable of doing this, and he had a, a political, powerful Messiah in mind. And a lot of times, that's how we treat people who don't agree with us. We try to force them through some type of imperialism. <laughs> I'm going to hurt you. And Jesus turned to them and rebuked them. He just showed them that the model of how to be the greatest, right? He showed them the child to be the least, to serve the least of these through the Greek word kenosis, emptying yourself, becoming others-oriented, not self-oriented. So becoming a Christian does not eliminate one's ego and pride. And this is why couples fight. Now talk to all the men 
like me, you have to embrace and be broken in. I'm terrible at directions, so I just don't drive anymore. And if my wife calls me on being wrong, I know I am, but I hate to admit it. A marriage is based on humility. <laughs> I mean, you know what's the most powerful thing in a relationship? Really apologizing. Not like the sarcastic apology. I do that too. But admitting real ego and pride and laying it down and saying, I'm wrong. I want to become better. I don't want to nuke you. Even though I do want to nuke you a lot. Because that'd be easier. But I want to lay down my pride. Isn't that what Jesus did on the cross? He laid down his pride. He abdicated his power and conquered, not like the ancient world, but through love. Can you imagine a man and women that live that out? You would have the best marriage ever. Best relationship ever. That's something we have to work on. Gandhi, who led the march, the salt march, for British, from British independence in 1929, was influenced by an English journalist from the London Times named G.K. Chesterton. He was influenced by Christ by reading the New Testament, and Gandhi once said, if I'd never met a Christian, I would have become one. D.L. Moody said that out of 100 people, one person reads the Bible and 99 read the Christian. Now, I'm here to say to all the Christians, please, the immaturity and the pride, we can't ever eliminate it because that's part of human nature, part of original sin. But we can grow out of it and learn to love in the way of Jesus. Amen? And it's okay if you're broken. It's amazing to me, as we close today, that John was that honest with Jesus. He wasn't trying to earn Jesus' approval. And I don't want anyone in our community to try to conform into a certain mold so you can win approval. I want you to be raw and honest about what you really feel, and what you really want to do. And get rebuked for it. <laughs> Be held accountable for it so change could happen. Amen? Let's all stand and pray together. So first, I want to give you some applications as we close today for the Christian. It's okay... <laughs> If you're immature and stubborn, don't hide it. Don't pretend to be not that. Be real before others and be real before God and let Jesus, that's what it means to be a disciple of Jesus. Let him change you. It's a journey. For the seeker, I want to apologize to you for all the stupid and prideful things Christians do. Even this past week, I saw an atheist be blaming the decision of the Supreme Court 
Like we protect your religious liberty. Why do you do this? Now I'm pro-life. I believe every baby born is born of God. Now the way we legislate that in a non-Christian postmodern society has to be debated. And we should be persuasive by being real pro-life. That's taking care of vulnerable communities. Investing into impoverished communities. Being the light and change from infancy all the way to death. We can't just be partial. And I want to apologize to those watching online and here for all the stupidity that we've done. And you know what? That's a good example. Why the model is Jesus, like Andy said, and not us. We're not saints saved by works. We're sinners saved by grace. Forgive us. Join us on the journey to become more than we are and become like Jesus. Will you lift your hands with me and surrender today? If we're being disingenuous, to be more honest and allow God to change us. We make this our prayer and end today. I am not ashamed of the name of all names, for it has the power to heal and to save. Strength for the weary. Strength for the weary. Peace to the troubled soul. To the troubled soul And peace to the troubled soul It's the name of Jesus It's the name It's the name of Jesus Mightier than mountains Father, we come before you this afternoon. We come to you as sinners, one family that need grace in our immaturity, in our pride. We thank you that you don't want us to pretend to be something we're not, that you're willing to meet us exactly where we are the most powerful thing about the book of John is seeing him in the beginning a man raw a man hungry for power even violent 
The funny thing about the book of John is that his name is not on it. When he was competing with Peter for being the greatest apostle. When he wrote this book and letter, he names himself, every time the word John in English, you see, is actually the disciple whom Jesus loved. His identity went from being the greatest, from achievement, from being right, to being the beloved. That is miraculous. A man that's that raw, that ambitious, and even that violent becomes a tender man of God that knows the heart of God, that cares nothing about fame or achievement, but wants to be known as the beloved of God. So when people tell you in Sunday school that John was Jesus' favorite disciple, they're wrong. That's John's propaganda. No, John wasn't Jesus' favorite disciple. John knew the revelation of being loved by God. And I pray, whether you're a believer or seeker, you would know that you are the beloved of God, a child loved by Him. Will you bow your heads for the benediction? May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you now and forevermore. All God's people say, Amen. Enjoy a great day. There's sandwiches on your picnic and bless our conversations. Blessings. Amen. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Day in the Sun. It's really good to see all of you guys here today. Uh, for those of you who don't know me, my name is Minyoung, and I'll be giving some community news before we go into today's sermon. Our first announcement is about tithes and offering. And if you're a member here at 180 Church, we ask that you remember to keep God in the center of your finances. So please continue to tithe faithfully, which you can do at Venmo, Zelle, Chase, QuickPay, or PayPal. Um, we're also asking for a $10 donation for the delicious food that we're gonna, uh, about to eat soon. So if you haven't already done so, um, you can donate through those methods I just mentioned as well. Uh, our next announcement is about small groups, which are all being held remotely during this time. This is a great place where all of us in our community, we can go into smaller pockets and smaller groups and go deeper into the word together and do life together. Um, our adult groups meet Wednesdays at 7.30 p.m. Our young adult group meets every Thursday at 7.30 p.m. And our college group, 180 Fellowship, is actually paused for the summer and will, will resume once school starts back again. Um, if you're interested in getting plugged in, you can come talk to me after service. Um, and we would also like to remind everyone here that we do actually have a live stream on YouTube for of our services. So if you can't make it out one week to our service at 19th and Broadway at the AMC Theater, you don't have to miss out. Um, this is a great resource for your friends and family that you would like to share with that can't physically be at service with us. So it's a great option to tune in and be part of community. Um, you can find that on our YouTube channel at 180 Church NYC at 12:10 p.m.